This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right, so, we're going team by team. I would be very careful about sling. So, am I going to get sued? Is that legal on this? Let's send you out on the right note. Uh, PFF sucks. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs> All right, welcome into the day three, day four, day whatever it is, <laughs> Thursday in Indianapolis for the Scouting Combine. Uh, we're going to talk about all the news that's been happening on the podiums and indeed out in the wider ether. Sam Monson here as usual, and joining me today is Max Chadwick, college football analyst at PFF and host of Preferred Walk-On. How's it going, Max? Dude, it's the first time on the PFF NFL pod right now. I'm, I've been watching you guys for years. This is uh, kind of a really cool moment for you right now. And we're, we're Thursday, so content, guys. We're four days into this whole Indianapolis trip, and your voice sounds fine. I don't understand what's happening. I am here. battling right yeah. now, Sam. I, I've been battling for a few days now. I mean, you've been doing this for, for years now, but I, 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 I don't know how you've done it for this long. Well, you've honestly. got youth on your side, so that's helping. <laughs> but I would at least appreciate it if you sounded a little more rough so that we could all, you know, all... I just, my voice Rebel. just recovered. My voice has been gone for the last couple of days. This actually yeah. is perfect timing because if you asked me to do the show yesterday, I probably would not have been able to do it. So we all need to revel in the misery together <laughs> uh, and get through this because that's the only way it's going to happen. Right. So big thing today, uh, defensive banks were on the podiums. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were out there saying all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, so I'm curious what your uh, big takeaways were from the DB group Did this you morning. see Tyler Owens, the Texas Tech safety? Someone asked him, they're like, what do you think about like, the moon landing and all that? He's like, dude, I don't think space is real. I did hear that. I, I heard specifically. I heard specifically the comment of, I don't think space is real. And at that point in the morning, I just couldn't deal with that conversation. <laughs> you went back to the Airbnb. Well, because I had questions, right? I'm like... Do you mean space, space, or like space, you know, conceptually? I just, I couldn't engage with that conversation at that point in the morning. So I I couldn't deal with that. But I heard that, and then I heard um, Kalen King doesn't believe in the moon landings. No, No, he doesn't. I mean, what is happening? Someone asked him if he could fight a baby ostrich, and he was like, dude, that baby ostrich, I would dominate that baby ostrich. So at least he's got the confidence in himself, and you want to see that in a a top cornerback prospect. But yeah, there's a lot of people out here that don't believe in the moon landing, don't believe in space, the planets, anything, man. Unless, of course, the baby ostrich ran a double move, in which case, problem. (laughs) Stop. Stop. I love Kalen King. I I do love him. As a Penn State fan, I do love him. But, yeah, that that Ohio State game this year was rough. There used to be a theory out there. I don't know if it's, like, gone, you know, the way of the dinosaurs and and all that kind of stuff. But there was a theory at one point that you want defensive backs to be dumb, right? Like, the the Mm. stupider they are, the better, because you don't want them thinking during games. I should have played DB, then. Reading and reacting and not having to think about what's going on, right? (laughs) If that is still a case, like, if there are teams out there that think that's true, they're going to love this class based <laughs> off what we've been hearing at the podiums. Tyler Owens will be a first-round pick now. He's right. actually he's going to run a 4-2, honestly. I think he's like 210 pounds. He's going to be a freak. But, yeah, uh, that podium today was, was an all-timer. Did anybody sure. – so did, did, did people explore beyond that, or did we just go, okay, cool? 
No, I think next. I think they just asked him that, and then the next question was like, "Hey, have you met with the Browns yet?" And he See, was like, "No, I'm at the Browns." Right? We're at the podium. We've got a gaggle of people. Right? The first interesting thing of the week has been said. Some guy has declared out there, "I don't really believe in space." Right? <laughs> that begs some follow-up questions, yep. and instead, some jackass is like, "Hey, have you met with my team this week?" Yep. Don't care. Shut up. That- <laughs> we need to follow-up question here. I have questions about space. One that I kind of maybe believe in. Someone asked, you know, do you think pigeons are real? And the guy was like, "No, I don't think they're real." He's like, I think, I think it's like government robots. What do you mean robots. you don't think they're real? Have you, if someone said, have you ever seen a baby pigeon? And he was like, I've never seen a baby pigeon before in my life. Okay. So I, I, they, we were breaking new ground today here at the NFL Combine. I'm very little football is actually talked, but I learned a lot today is what yeah. I'm saying. I mean, I like the conversations. I just feel like we can't <laughs> allow things like that to go said without being explored further. Yeah. Like I need more – we need more conversation. If you don't believe in a pigeon as a thing, right, I'm, I'm we open need to, to talk that. about that. I'm open to that conspiracy theory. The space thing is ridiculous. This pigeons thing, like they are making some good points up there. I'm not I just lie. think like either way we need to explore the topic further. We can't just move <laughs> on to have you met the Bears just, this week, right? Informal, informal, yeah. Yeah, we need, to, we need to dive into that further and maybe we need to dedicate a whole interview session I, to that, right? Like if – if the Indianapolis Colts are meeting this guy, 15 minutes is going to be spent on yep. walk me through this pigeon thing yep. because that's craziness. <laughs> I can't wait tomorrow. So Caleb Williams' podium is tomorrow. I want to be the guy to ask him, hey, have you met with the Bears yet? No, you need to ask him, <laughs> does he believe in space or pigeons or, yeah, or like or yeah. yep. little baby cats or whatever it is? Yep. God. Yeah, um, that was that was it. But uh, otherwise, Nate Wiggins, I think, had the, the quote of the day. He said a co- uh, coach came up to him and was like, hey, what do you think in, in the 40? You're going to run like a 4-5? And he's like, and I laughed in his face. He's like, I'm running a 4-2, <laughs> dude. So he, that guy brought the energy. I think Nate Wiggins is going to have an unbelievable combine. But, uh, yeah, that, 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 was, that was a quote I think that uh, everyone loves today. So he that? said he had run a 4-2-7 in practice, right? <laughs> and immediately, was it prize picks? Took down his prop for the 40 because they had that? it like 4-5 something. Yeah. And they're like, uh-oh, we might have got that wrong mm-hmm. uh, to the tune of three-tenths of a second. <laughs> so let's get rid of that. <laughs> I don't understand how you – place that wager on it already being four five five and he was like you've seen the pff draft guide he's the most athletic corner we have in this class right now like I, he's gonna run at least a four three that would be huge for him like because he's big he's six yes. two or whatever yeah. uh 180 ish pounds mm-hmm. right i think there's size the frame to get bigger than that like yeah. he's not he's not in this emmanuel forbes um cameron dancer world right. we we're like that dude's 160 and he's not getting any bigger yep. like he's 180 pounds ish and i think he can get bigger than that he can get towards 200 if he's able to run 427 yeah or 43 flat at that kind of size that's huge and, for him and it's a wide open corner class yeah. i've talked to a lot of people in media and everyone's had a different cornerback one right now honestly so he i was I mean, mine Really? Yeah. He is number I one? I need to go back and sort of do like the final run in all these corners, but yep. he was CB1 for me on first viewing. I mean, he's probably got the highest ceiling, right? Yeah. Out of all these guys. So I think that's a big thing for this uh, this whole thing. I think guys like Cooper DeGene, who he had a great podium today, honestly, too. But guys like him, like he kind of fits only kind of one style of defense, like a heavy zone coverage defense, off coverage. Nate Wiggins, if you're looking for a press man corner, like, he might be the guy for this draft. Right. Yeah. Talk to me about Cooper DeGene because you said he had a good podium. Um, one of the things he said, uh, it was sort of, he's one to play anywhere right because mm-hmm. obviously he's getting questions about moving to safety all that kind of thing as someone who's watched him in college 
is are the questions about him moving to safety simply because he's a white corner, right? Is that what we're doing here? Or are there actually reasons why he should be getting talked about as getting moved to safety? He, I think he's capable of playing safety. But the thing is, I looked it up today, actually. He's played one snap at safety his right. entire career. He's played 63 snaps on the defensive line. So I think that Cooper DeGene deserves a shot at outside corner to begin with, and he's shown that he could do it at a high level. Um, I don't think this is a guy that needs to convert to safety. Can he do it? He probably can, but I think he's a guy that at least deserves a chance to fail at outside corner before you even move him there. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like he could do it simply because he's big, fast, he's a good athlete. Right. Like, he fits the fits the billing as a good safety, but, I mean, those are all things that make you a good corner as well. Yes. Like, if you can hold up a corner, what, like, there's no reason you would move a guy like that to safety without that no. kind of failure. And I think another thing, too, that makes me think he could be a good safety, he's an awesome run defender. I think he's probably the best run defending corner that we have in this draft right now. So, if you move him to safety, that will obviously be even bigger part of his game. But, yeah, I, again, I think he – for me right now, I think he deserves to be an outside corner, get a shot there. He's proven that he's been an elite player there for two years. So so the last guy we want to talk about in the DB room before we move on to some other topics is Kool-Aid McKinnistry. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously one of the coolest names in the draft, yep. uh, judged by many. But was a guy that I think a lot of people said was cornerback one in this draft, certainly through the season. And then the further we got – into the process the more that seemed to die away and now he might not even be the first cornerback from his own college coming into this nope. draft class um you though i'm led to believe love kool-aid i love him i think he still should be in the conversation for cb1 i know you disagree with me on that but i think this week is huge for him the big question for him is obviously speed change of direction which we can see here at the combine if he tests well there I think he's going to move back up the boards. I mean, he's been locked down corner. He's the only reason why Terry and Arnold is where he is right now because they ignored his side of the field the entire season. I think he had like 30 targets all year. So I think Coolidge is honestly being slept on right now. I think he's been the, one of the best corners in college football for two-plus years now. I still think this guy is worthy of being a top 10, 20, 15 pick, honestly. And I think he probably will test well. Like, I think yeah. that's actually a strength. If you just lock him into being fast, change of direction, like mm -hmm. the athleticism stuff, I think he's actually really good at that. Mm -hmm. My issues with his tape are all um, the sort of reading and reacting element to it. Like, I think okay. he feels like I felt a little bit uh, about it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline this way for a couple of corners last year that he just seems to read it a tick late relative to mm -hmm. other people. Um, and the contrast last year was with a guy like Devin Witherspoon who read it early, right? He was always ahead yeah. of the play. He read it before everybody else in the field and he was already moving to the spot, you know, way before the play was even developing. Um, and then you get corners on the other side of it where every single play, they just seem a tick late to see it and to yeah. read it. And, and Kool-Aid was like that as well. I think there's some times where he gets it right and he's really good. Like mm -hmm. the best thing he does to me is he's really well able to just glide with a guy in phase. Yep. You know, once there's nothing kind of weird happening on the play, it's just we turning and running, right? Yeah. Like the classic cornerback play. We're just going to bump and run down the field. He's he's really good at that. But he's too easy to turn around and just sort of head fake away and, and get him moving in the wrong direction. And he's a little bit late to read anything in zone as well. And given that most teams are playing zone most of the time, mm -hmm. 
it's a little bit of worry. Now, I think that's a fair point for sure. But I think the thing that I still go back to with him, and it's a lot like the other corner was an awesome name, Sauce Garner, was that his teammate Kobe Bryant was able to shine because they threw at him every play. Right. Taron Arnold was able to shine because Cooley didn't look at Cooley's way the entire time. So I'm not comparing to Sauce Gardner. I don't think he's even close to the prospect that Sauce was coming out. But I, I do think that Kool-Aid is still being slept on in this cornerback class. I think I do think he's part of that conversation for CB1. Yeah, and I, it's also it, – so coming from a great program like Alabama makes it more difficult to make the argument that, hey, you get them to the NFL, you coach him up. Right? Yeah. Like he's already pretty <laughs> yeah. well coached up, so that's yeah. a bit of a concern. But there's no reason you can't necessarily work on those things and improve mm-hmm. his ability to read and see things quicker and get him on that page. One of my notes for him, though – was, you know, recovery speed and angles and all those kinds of things are good. He just needs to actually use them way more yeah. than you would want <laughs> yeah. to see. Like, ideally, you don't get yourself out of position to have to use the he recovery He gets grabby, speed. too. He yeah. gets a little grabby sometimes, right. too. Right. I so. think that's generally a, like, that's quite a common trait in college corners right. anyway. Like, a lot of mm-hmm. those guys are super physical, in part because you can be, right? Yep. You don't, there's not the five-yard chuck zone. You can keep going. So, mm-hmm. a lot of those guys are, like, way more physically aggressive than they're get, they're allowed to be essentially in the NFL. So level. how would you rank the top corners in this year's draft right now? So you said Wiggins number one, right? Wiggins was my number one. I okay. need to go through and do a second run and sort of see all these guys um, again and to sort of put them in a final order. But but Wiggins was my number one guy. I'm really interested in Arnold. I haven't watched enough of him yet. And, and Mitchell is the other guy. But I was lower on Kool-Aid than a lot of people. And I was lower on Cooper DeGene. Interesting. Trev. And I think the three guys you just mentioned right there, Wiggins, I think Arnold's going to test really well. And I think uh, Quinnell Mitchell's going to test really well. So those three, I think, can really... And he was spectacular at the Senior Bowl. Oh, my God. That was the big thing was that he never played press coverage uh, at Toledo. So we all had questions about that. And then he goes to the Senior Bowl and is locked down in press coverage. So I think he's answered all those questions. He's probably had the best pre-draft process so far of any corner. Yeah. So if you've got a family like I do, then you need to get them term life insurance policy to protect them. It's one of the smartest financial decisions you can make and the start of the new year, and the start of the new year being February the 29th, is the perfect time to get it done. So you can focus on whatever else the new year has in store for you. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in minutes and then apply it when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in minutes at meetfabric.com slash PFFNFL. That's meetfabric.com slash PFFNFL. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash PFFNFL. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company not available in certain states. Prices subject underwriting and health questions. Um, all right, I want to pivot to from one of the smallest positions on the field to one of the largest humans you're ever going to see. <laughs> uh, Texas defensive tackle Devondre Sweat weighed in today at 366 pounds. And this was seen as a good sign because it was the exact same weight as he played in college, yes. right? Um, Jordan Davis, for some perspective, weighed in at the Combine at 340 and is one of the largest humans in the NFL. Yep. So we are talking about somebody that's weighing in at the Combine at the same time, 26 pounds heavier than Jordan Davis. He, so I looked it up. 
so since I think 1999 when they started doing these measurements, he is the second heaviest defensive lineman we've ever seen at the combine. The only one heavier was TJ Barnes at 369. So only three pounds heavier right. than Tavondre Sweat. Now, Tavondre Sweat, for all intents and purposes, was the best defensive tackle in college football this year. As a prospect, his teammate's better than him. I think Johnny Newton's better than him because I, I don't think he's as great of a pass rusher. But you see that weight show up in the run. He eats double teams for lunch, dude, every, every single time. I think he's the best run defending defensive tackle probably in this draft. So what can he be in the NFL? Because when you get up to that kind of size, the general assumption is you can't be a three-down player, you can't impact the, the, the pass game as right. much, and you're therefore radically limited in what you could be. Now, I think even that limited thing is becoming more and more important. Like teams are actually realizing those guys that can eat double teams, that can plug two gaps, mm-hmm. that even if they're only doing it on two downs – that's valuable because that's going to yep. get you to third down, and that's when you put the fast guy on the field and make the impact. Like, I think we went away from seeing value in those guys for a while, and we're kind of coming back in the cycle and realizing that actually if you have somebody that can do that, it's still really valuable. But is he capped at that size as you're just going to be this limited run-stuffing, two-down type of player, or can he you know, expand his role into more things? I don't think he got enough credit for being a pass rusher at Texas like he deserved. Now, Byron Murphy was the best pass rushing defensive tackle in college football, but I think Tavondre Sweat held up. I even think he held up more than Jordan Davis did at, at Georgia as a pass rusher. So if Jordan Davis, go, I mean, I don't think he should be a first-round pick, don't get me wrong, but Jordan Davis, after the stellar combine he had, went in the first round. Like you said, there are teams that need these guys to plug holes in the run game, to eat double teams. Tavondre Sweat is that guy, and there's no one else in this class that I think does it at nearly the level that he does. And there are players now that, I mean, Dexter Lawrence is now the poster child, right? Mm-hmm. 6'4", 342 pounds listed in the NFL, and Dexter Lawrence has become one of the better pass rushers in the NFL from a nose tackle alignment, yeah. right? He's the guy now that's showing you can still do that. You mm-hmm. can still be an impact playmaker as a pass rusher at 340 plus pounds if you're good enough to get it done. And now look, there's one Dexter Lawrence. Nobody else is even in the same ballpark in terms of being able to impact the pass game, certainly from the nose tackle spot. But like, if you are, if you're Tavondre Sweat's camp or if you're a team talking yourself into him, and you want him to be more than just a 300-snap guy that plays the run, like, that's what you're trying to chase, right? Somebody that can be Dexter Lawrence, yeah. who can use his size, but also be quick enough and violent enough to just chuck an offensive lineman out of his way and right. rush the passer on third downs. Yeah, he had a 15 – so Sweat had a 15% pass rush win rate this past year. That's, that's in the good. 95th percentile right. for, our, for our system. So. It's way lower than edge rushers, but those guys have higher pass rush win rates. For an interior player, that's a pretty good number. And, again, like I think it's just he's a victim of playing next to Byron Murphy where you look at Byron Murphy and you're like, oh, that's, that's right. what you want. I mean, want. they're different players, right? Exactly, like even, yeah. even Dexter Lawrence relative to Aaron Donald, right? right. They're, they're different types of pass rushers. Like, mm-hmm. they're not – Dexter Lawrence is never likely to have the same volume or impact of pass rush as an Aaron Donald, as a Chris Jones, as these guys that do play as a three-tech or even out wide. He's an interior type of player, but he's now the gold standard at that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what Sweat needs to be. Now, do you think 366, is that too heavy? Does he have to go down, do you think? Or do you think that's the way you can just play it? I think, honestly, to me, the limiting factor is not – it's not necessarily – it's how many snaps can you play at that size? Yeah, like, right. that's the problem, right? That was the question with Jordan Davis. Mm-hmm. Jordan Davis was 340 at the combine, and the assumption was he was going to weigh more than that during games. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't know what his actual playing weight is, but let's assume it's more than 340. And because Georgia had this heavy rotation on the defensive line, they got so many guys, like, he never had to play more than 350 snaps mm-hmm. in college. And in the NFL, you're going to have to play more than that if you want to be an impact playmaker. And Davis has played more than that, but he still hasn't shown yet 
that he can be, you know, this consistent game wrecker at that size playing that volume of snaps. So that to me is the question with for Sweat. It's not, you know, what can you do in a couple of plays here or there. Right. It's if you're going to be 366, mm-hmm. how many snaps are you going to be able to play at a high level in a game? And he played 550 this year and was the highest graded defense attack in the country. So I think he can do it. I, I'm The weight was a little alarming to me a little bit. But I, again, I mean, if he was that dominant at that weight this past year, I mean, I don't really see any reason why he would need to drop 10, 15 pounds like some people are saying. Like, if he's that good in college, like, I, again, like this Cooper DeGene, like, let him fail at it before you change anything. Like, Vita Vea is another guy that would be sort of put up as, as, as potentially something of a, a goal for him, right? Vita Vea is like 350 yep. and, and huge, and he played 700 snaps this year, essentially. Most of them were pass rushing snaps mm-hmm. just because of the nature of the Bucks' defense. Um, but that, you know, you can play a lot of snaps at that size and still be an impact player. Now, we've said a lot on this show, like, Vita Vea is inconsistent. He's kind of yeah. frustrating because he doesn't always make that impact. I don't know if that is a, you know, a size and a durability and a conditioning, a stamina type of issue, or if he's simply an inconsistent player. But you know, that's the question. It's not like, can you function at that size? Yeah. It's how long can you function for at that size? Yeah, and listen, Trevor has Chavondre Sweat number 90 on the big board, so we're talking like a third-round player right. here. Like, I mean, I think that's the day-two conversation that we can see for Chavondre Sweat, but like we mentioned before, I mean, like, he fits a role that so many teams in the NFL need now that not a lot of guys can do. I, I, I think this is a guy you're still taking day two, and you're pretty happy about it, honestly. And he's such a – like, he's fascinating to talk about because he is a singularly unique yep. human. Like, there's the, the, the planet theory, the Bill Parcells idea. Like, there's, there's one of those guys walking around. Like yep. you said – the second heaviest player that's ever weighed in at the, mm-hmm. on the defensive line. Like, there are not players that walk around at that size. So the reason he gets a disproportionate amount of, like, attention is, mm-hmm. like, if you want something that looks like that, you know, if you think you're finding the next Dexter Lawrence, the next Vita Vea, there's one, yeah. right? That's the one guy you're targeting. Whether you're targeting him in the second, third, fourth round, whatever, you have one shot at it. Dude, that's why the whole Tyler Owens not believing in space or planets thing. Like, dude, I don't know if you've seen Tavondre Sweat, man, because that guy, when he's on the field, is a planet unto himself. Like, he's eating that entire nice. interior offensive line, honestly. Nice, nice. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about, Darius Robinson um, yep. was talking yesterday, and one of the things he said, or one of the things he was sort of talking about was how just pumped, hyped he was to meet with the Lions, right? Because he grew up 20 minutes from, from the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. He is a Lions fan. His mother posted a picture somewhere on social media of him, you know, getting an autograph at, at Lions training Love camp that. or whatever it was, right? I'm curious. Detroit picks, you know, lower, low in the first round, 28, right? Is mm-hmm. that where they pick? Um, they still need defensive line help. You know, Aiden Hutchinson has panned out great. Yep. But are they a live candidate at this point to get two sort of local, homegrown, Ooh. massive Lions fans in the last three years. Aiden, this was one of the Aiden Hutchinson narratives, right? Yeah. He was a huge Detroit fan, a Michigan guy, a, you know, a, fa- a, a homegrown guy, and the Lions snagged him with the second overall pick because Jacksonville went crazy and grabbed Trayvon Walker. Could they do it again with Darius Robinson? I kind of love that, with one, because he's a Lions fan, and also they need help at edge. Yep. They need help on the interior D-line, and Robinson played on the interior D-line. He was played at a high level for Missouri before moving to edge this past year. He's a massive edge fan. He's like 295, I think is what he listed at. Uh, yeah, that could fit almost two needs for them because, like I said, they need help all over that defensive line, and Robinson is rising. I don't, will he be there at 29? I don't know because right. of the way he's, he's going to test out really well too. But I, I do think that would be a pick that I think Detroit fans uh, should be pretty excited about that happens. All right, a couple of more measurables to come from the edge rusher group I think that are interesting. Dallas Turner showed up with a six foot 11 inch <laughs> wingspan, um, which frankly couldn't be more perfect for a guy that wants to use a long arm move at like every yeah, possible yep. opportunity. 
so I think that was pretty interesting. Chop Robinson came in with 32 and a half inch arms. Uh, Laetu Latu was 32 and five eighths. Ooh, so an extra eighth longer than Chop Robinson. Um, but those are two guys now that are sort of uh, relatively short arms um, yeah. for a pass rusher, which yeah. obviously the NFL doesn't love. No, it doesn't love that. But yeah, the Dallas Turner thing. Like I heard someone say like he tie his shoes standing up and all. Like he he looks <laughs> insane, man. I think Dallas Turner is going to also test out really. Well. Chop is good. My prediction for the combine this week: Chop is going to win the combine. He yeah. the, the numbers I mean, he, he, said he told, wants to run four four flat. Four four flat, which is like Michael Parsons. Like Michael what Parsons, are you? Two fifty something. Two fifty something. Yeah. He wants to jump forty inches in the vertical and eleven feet in the broad. And someone asked him like, okay, do you want to do that? And he's like, no, I've done that. before. Yeah, yeah. Like he's hit those numbers in practice. What are yeah. you saying? So I think he's going to have a great combine. You mentioned it though that the arm length is a question mark. Is thing with last. Latu too and I think Latu's testing is going to be huge too because that's kind of the question with him is whether or not he's a freak athlete um I love lot again it's like the cornerback class there's a different edge one no matter who you talk to right now and I think Dallas Turner and Chop could really establish themselves in that conversation but uh guys like Latu Latu they need not only do they need a big workout they need to do really well in the medical portion as well and hopefully he checks out in that aspect yeah the medical is everything I think for Latu I don't imagine he's going to test particularly well but yeah, I don't why. I don't think that will surprise anybody if it's true like yeah. to him for him so, Chop Robinson is trying to win the combine, right? Mm-hmm. He's trying to run 4-4 four, four flat. He's trying to jump out of the gym, all these kinds of things. He weighed 254, by the way. So, if he's able to run a 4-4 four, four <laughs> flat at 254. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he's trying to set, like, the best numbers in the combine. Latu's trying to just not fail the yes. combine, right? Like, he's yes. out there. Let me just hit the benchmarks mm-hmm. that people want. Like, just don't take me off any boards because I didn't hit numbers that they see as, like, minimum uh, standards. I Like, I think... Nobody's expecting him to be the great athlete. No. His tape is the thing. Like, his tape, his te- technique, his um, game plan. Like, he's, he's by far the most uh, well-rounded edge rusher in terms of the number of ways he can win. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his, his assignment is different this week. It's just like, just don't flunk the test. And his tape was the best out of any tape. It's the best we've seen. You know that his 96.3 PFF grade this year, that's the highest we've ever given to a power yeah, five player. and it makes sense. I mean, his tape is absurd. Yeah. Blake Corum was behind him, and then Kyle Pitts, Quinnen Williams, and Chase Young. And we right. all, they all went top five in their drafts after their tape. So, yeah, I think Latu, again, like uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, I think he's being slept on a little bit in this in edge class, too. I learned today, for the first time, why Chop Robinson is called Chop Robinson. His... First name is something that, having seen it written down, I don't know how to say it. I, it's it's a string oh, of letters. Oh, Damian, Damian. So it looked a little bit like that, but yeah. in a way that doesn't like that. You know, I've never seen it written like that. Anyway, so that's his first name, but he was nicknamed Pork Chop yep. because apparently he was a 14-pound baby <laughs> when he was born, and then he decided as he grew up and slimmed down. He was no longer, yep. he could no longer live up to the pork part of Chop. <laughs> so just dropped it and was like, I'm just Chop Robinson now. There's a lot. This is a great name draft. You got Kalimic McHistory. You got Chop Robinson. I mean, yeah, we actually, we were fortunate enough to talk to Chop before the season. And I asked him about that story. And listen, I mean, he came from Maryland. He didn't really get a lot of playing time at Maryland. Came to Penn State and he's blown up since then. So I know Trevor's a little bit lower on him right now. Mm. Uh, as a Penn State fan, I, I don't love that. But uh, I do think Chop Robinson, after this combine, he's, he's, I think he's going to be a lock for the first round. Honestly. He seemed to, yeah, like he seemed to, uh, his stock seems to have gone down. Like it's, it's not just Trevor. Like no, a lot of everyone, yes, a lot of people, him. yeah. And yet, I mean, his tape is, he's, he's so explosive, which, you know, four, four flat. Like yeah. he looks like, he looks like a kind of um, slightly juiced up version or slightly uh, more uh, together uh, technique wise than Byron Young last year, yes, like the Tennessee yeah. edge rusher, mm-hmm. now with the Rams, who was just like a ball of burst and energy and like madness, but didn't really seem to have any idea what he was doing. 
Robinson has a little bit of an idea what he's doing, but still has the same like explosiveness, burst, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think his pass rush plan could still be developed. So the fact that he was grading out ninety plus last yeah. two years and still can get better, like that's that's the me. I, I think he's got one of the highest ceilings out of any of these edge rushers. Yeah, in this draft. I like him a lot. I'm kind of surprised that everyone's souring on him a little bit. It would be interesting to see if like a crazy combine I workout go back up. does yeah. shoot him back up the board, at least the perception wise. Um, all right, let's. I guess let's wrap it up with uh, a kind of general week recap. Even though you know workouts essentially start today, so yes. in, in a funny way, the, the week hasn't even started yet. Um, but you know, this time a year ago, we had uh, Jalen Carter getting himself into legal trouble. It was all kinds of chaos breaking out at the combine. This has felt like more of a kind of quiet combine, and more of the news and, and talk has been actually on the NFL side rather than the prospects and all that kind right. of thing. It's been. You know, Justin Fields' news, been Caleb uh, Williams' news, it's been uh, Legereus Sneed, all that kind of thing. So, what do you make of the week so far? I've had a lot of fun. I'm so excited for tomorrow when these quarterbacks talk. And I, I mean, you've been going to the combat for years. I mean, have you, do you think we'll ever see a, a podium as crowded as Caleb Williams that we're going to get tomorrow? No. Like, he is going to be surrounded by people tomorrow. I'm excited for that. Marvin Harrison Jr. obviously is going to speak, too. I'm really excited about that. But, yeah, I'm, I mean, listen, not a lot of guys are testing, which is unfortunate. But uh, the guys that are, J.J. McCarthy is going to throw. Bo Nix is going to throw, I think. Michael Penix Jr. is throwing. Spencer Rowler is throwing. Like, I, I, I'm really excited to see who emerges in that kind of QB4 debate. It's been kind of assumed that J.J. McCarthy is the guy right now. But uh, I, we'll see after the combine, honestly. I mean, it's going to be fascinating. For, like, even the – the order of the quarterbacks, I think, is a moving yeah. target right now. Like, you're right, J.J. McCarthy is a sort of consensus number four, mm-hmm. but I'm sure there are teams that would have him as number three. And the longer it goes, the more it seemed. Initially, it was Caleb Williams and Drake May as a sort of 50-50. You mm-hmm. might, you know, could go either way there. The longer we go, it's like, it's Caleb Williams one. And it's seeming like more and more people have Jaden Daniels two. Drake May might be three. The people that are souring on Drake May, I, who knows how far they're going to sour on him. Like maybe McCarthy ends up three. Drake yeah. May's QB four all of a sudden. I saw a report that some team had McCarthy QB two overall, which, I mean, I don't know if I would go that well, high. Jim, Jim Harbaugh's got him QB it's one. Pro- it's probably Jim. He's going to trade Justin Herbert and take Judge McCarthy at five, honestly. Um, how, do you, how would you rank this four? I haven't asked you this yet. I think it's Caleb Williams, number one, by a mile. Agreed. And then Agreed. it's a huge gap. Like, I, the, the, that's my biggest takeaway, honestly, is just the gap between Caleb Williams and everybody else yeah. is bigger than people were saying it was. Agreed. And um, I, I think all the other guys scare me in different ways. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I do see absolutely why you're scared of Drake May. Um, I also think, though, that's probably going to go too far. Like, yeah. he's, he's so talented that... Look, I, he misses a lot of throws, and he misses he make he doesn't make a lot of plays yeah. um, that he probably should make, and that's what people are seeing now. That's what's scaring people, but ultimately, like the talent that he has and the potential he has is still insane. Like mm-hmm. let's let's tap the brakes on just how far to drop him down yeah. with that, particularly viewing the alternatives. Like um, Jaden Daniels reminds me of sort of a, like a taller Tyrod Taylor. I like that. Like he's, yeah. he's got incredible ability. His athleticism is nuts. Um, his arm's great. Like he can make all the throws. On the other hand, he's like suicidal when he's <laughs> running around, right? Yeah. Um, and he misses some plays as well. Like there's some flaws to his game. And, it, and he's, you know, older prospect. Took him a while. Mm-hmm. Took him like needing to throw to multiple first round pick yep. wide receivers. Like all those kinds of things. Uh, and then J.J. McCarthy, the thing that stood out uh, on his tape to me is he has an incredible highlight reel of in really ridiculously good throws following terrible decisions like threading yeah. the ball like the Ohio State play where he threads the ball between two guys 
terrible decision. Mm -hmm. Great throw. Like, and I don't think that that's an overall positive thing. I think if you're making a sequence of bad decisions, eventually you're going to stop bailing it out with an amazing throw, and you're, now you're just going to have a bad decision that's getting picked off. He needs the Patrick Mahomes, Jordan Love treatment, in my opinion, where it's like develop him, let him sit for a year, maybe two years, and then let him go. I don't know if he's going to get that because it sounds like he's moving up a lot of boards right now. But uh, So you would have JJQ before then? Probably. Okay. I, th- I think that probably is the order, is Caleb Williams, a giant gap, and then I'm, I'm still kind of flipping a coin between Daniels and Drake May, and then J.J. McCarthy would be my number four. Okay, that's fair. All right, uh, taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple, and that's why for the last uh, year or so, we have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions, and God, do you need it at the Combine during Indianapolis. <laughs> it's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes you feel stronger, energized, well-nourished, ready to take on the day. And that's because each serving of AG1 delivers your daily dose of vitamins, vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more. It's a powerful, healthy habit. It's also powerfully simple. Um, Let me find the actual part that I need to read of this. If there's one product I have to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why we've partnered with them for so long. So if you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2, and buy free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase at drinkag1.com forward slash pff that's drinkag1.com forward slash pff all right max i think that's pretty much it for this show uh, any closing thoughts before we wrap it up and bounce oh yeah cool even cb1 yeah. yeah i don't think that's true but uh, i appreciate your your effort i appreciate your effort on it and appreciate everybody here for uh sticking with us throughout the week we will be back next week assuming steve is alive he's apparently got strep throat now in addition to recovering from COVID a couple of weeks ago. So if he's alive on Monday, we'll be back. If not, who the hell knows? We'll talk to you then. Thank you all for watching.